The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As we constantly move forward, there is a continuing and urgent need for higher education. It's necessary for tomorrow's future and for a dynamically changing workforce. As the need for education is changing, so is education itself. Welcome to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education with your host, Dave Goldberg. In this program, we'll discuss the complex changes that are being made to higher education today, and we'll help you stay ahead of tomorrow if you're a student, educator, or in the workforce. Now, here's Dave Goldberg. Good day and welcome to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. I am Dave Goldberg. I'm your show host. And Big Beacon is a movement to transform higher education at bigbeacon.org. In every episode, we explore some of the innovators and innovations that are changing the world of higher education all around us. And you can follow live tweeting of the show, ask questions, or make comments about the show during the program at hashtag Big Beacon. Our first segment is sponsored by the book that is Transforming Higher Education, A Whole New Engineer, The Coming Revolution in Engineering Education at WholeNewEngineer.org. It's not just for engineers anymore. And today we're, uh, we're blessed and pleased to be joined by a fellow podcaster, radio, uh, online radio personality, uh, Pius Wong of the K-12 uh, Engineering Education Podcast. Welcome to the show, Pius. Hi, Dave. Thanks. I'm glad to have you here, and and uh, in a moment we'll talk uh, talk a little bit about uh, about your podcast and how it got started and so forth. But before we do that, we like to get to know our guests a little bit uh, better. And um, so, um, you know, you're a uh, you're the founder of this podcast. You're an engineer. You've been involved in developing um, the engineering engineer your world curriculum. And people can read more about you on the program page. But uh, let's go back in the time machine. And uh, what um, what were some of the early influences in your life that led you on your current path? <laughs> um, that's an interesting question because I never thought that I would be podcasting uh, right now. But basically, uh, I always knew that I loved problem solving, loved building. Uh, that's why I ended up becoming an engineer. My dad was an engineer, so I was fortunate to have that connection to it. And uh, my mom, uh, coincidentally, was a teacher, high school math and science teacher. And I always thought, oh, I would do something totally different from them. But um, I ended up studying bioengineering and uh, working in industry for a while. And um, really, that just being exposed to all the really neat things you can do as an engineer uh, brought me into this world. And I, I ended up teaching when I went to grad school because... Uh, you know how oftentimes grad students have to teach, sure. and I loved that as well. And so that kind of brought me into this field where I am now. Yeah, and so you know, it's it's interesting the number of times that we have engineers on the show who's uh, one of their parents uh, were engineers. I call that becoming an engineer. Uh, you know, that's getting into engineering uh, and honestly, and uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, but uh, 
on the show, you also are interested in unleashing experiences. And although you've, you know, there's a sense in which uh, you've followed some of your, your mom's footsteps and your dad's footsteps both, but there's also a sense in which you're kind of going your own way with uh, new curriculum stuff and podcasting, which wasn't in the, 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 um, the log cabin picture you just gave. So wh- what, yeah. what, 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 uh, what people in your life or what experiences in your life have given you the courage, like we talk about in the whole new engineer, the, these, these experiences that allow us to go our own way to, um, to go your own way. So in addition to my parents, for sure, um, there are several key people I would say who gave me the confidence to kind of do what I'm doing. Um, Because in addition to podcasting, I'm actually trying to start my own company. The podcast is just a side project. Um, And I would say that, first of all, most recently, like I had said, when I started teaching uh, in grad school at the University of Texas at Austin, uh, especially in this math class that I was teaching, I had like 12 kids in that class. And they were freshmen, uh, engineers from all the different fields here at UT Austin. And they were super, super smart, I would say. And yet, at the same time, they didn't necessarily have the confidence in themselves. Yes. They, they thought that they needed to to take this class. Uh, it was a class, actually, for, for students who thought maybe they needed extra help or other people mm. thought they might need extra help. Uh, and yet... So they had this impression, like, oh, I'm not smart enough to do this. I I may not be perfect in differential equations, so I, I don't know if I can cut cut it in engineering. And yet when I taught them and I spoke to them and I saw their work, they were super smart, and I saw them achieve a whole lot in their differential equations class, for example. And I directly saw how much, um, how much potential a ton of people have yeah. uh, if they just try, I guess, harder and, and look into themselves. So, so that was huge. And so that brought me not only into education, but really confirming that um, people can, can do more than you think you can do. Um, and then I guess one other person yeah. who I have to mention is my, my first real boss is what I say when I worked full-time uh, yes. after college. I, I worked for this orthopedics company based in Memphis, and uh, my boss, Abraham, he, I didn't realize it until after the fact, but he was a really, really great boss, and he gave me a whole ton of opportunities. He had um, given me an opportunity to build a robot that was used in Europe, in Belgium, and so I ended up working in Belgium for a few years. And when, let me tell you, when you go across to live and work in another country for a while, that, that gives you the confidence to try and do new things as well. Wow. Well, it's a, that's a trip. You, you, it's really a triple story. You just told uh, the the experience of helping others unleash, and through your trust in them, is in many ways. If there were a single thing that this show is about, it's that that thing. Um, whole the how do we create the wholehearted student, the wholehearted engineer, in the um, um, in in the sense of Brene Brown and and uh, wholeheartedness generally, the only thing that separates the wholehearted that live life kind of in their own way from from those who have trouble living their life their own way is the wholehearted believe they're worthy, and mm. the rest of us maybe struggle with that a bit. And uh, as a single, it sounds so simple, but it in many ways, uh, when I work with people in a coaching setting, that one on one, that 
a lot of the issues that where people have obstacles they think are out there are about no, it's whether they believe in themselves enough. So that's a beautiful part. And then your story about Abraham, uh, the great boss, and then the unleashing of going overseas and having both a technical and a cultural experience in one and, and navigating a lot of differences like that. That's, that's, that's so wonderful. I appreciate your, your sharing those with us. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's funny because I was one of those people who lived in a bubble. I'm, I'm from Chicago, and I thought I was going to stay in that city forever. <laughs> but when you start to go out and see the world, especially when you're working and, and doing engineering problems and everything, you just realize yeah. that there's there's just so much more out there than you may have ever known, you know? Yeah. No, that's anyways great, great, great stuff, and thanks for sharing them. And and so the the show became aware of uh, your show not that long ago, and and I think your podcast is uh, is uh, fairly fairly young, but it's the uh, the K twelve engineering education podcast, and people can see it at k twelve engineering dot net. But uh, um, what inspired you to uh, to start this podcast? So. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, I used to work with several colleagues at the University of Texas at Austin. Uh, after yeah. I got my, my master's there, I worked in a group that created the high school engineering curriculum called Engineer Your World that you mentioned. Yeah. And at Engineer Your World, I was coming in as an engineer from industry. I hadn't taught in public schools, you know. I may have taught in right. college, but that's a far cry from teaching um, in, in elementary, in middle school, and in high school. So when I joined this team to help develop the curriculum and create software and test out hardware and do all that stuff, there was still a ton of stuff I didn't know. I didn't know yeah. about pedagogy, really. Uh, I didn't know about all the different acronyms that policymakers in education talk about. I didn't know all these other things that engineering educators had to really know about to do a good job. And so I would have tons of interesting conversations, I thought, with fellow engineers, with um, my boss, with uh, my colleagues, other teachers, other schools, other principals, and I wished that those conversations could have been recorded somehow. So uh, recently, like I said, I, I left uh, the University of Texas in Austin to form my own startup, uh, specifically in educational games, and the podcast was just a fun way to continue having a connection with all the teachers who I used to work with yeah. and to finally record those conversations that I wanted to record all this time. Yeah. And that was basically it. Beautiful. Yeah. And, and, and the role of con conversation, it, it's starting to get its due, but conversation and story is a lot of when, when you're making new stuff up, especially um, is so important. It's, it's how, it's how you really make progress and, and uh, the conversation leads to telling the telling of new stories in interesting ways. But, and tell, yeah, tell us a little bit about the, um, uh, 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 it's uh, what, Pious um, Systems or, or something like that. Well, tell us a little bit about your uh, educational game startup. What do you do there? Oh, yeah, sure. So um, it's, it's literally just started officially um, four months ago. It's Pios Labs. So if you okay. right now the website is up, but there's nothing there yet. Uh, it, 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 like if you looked it up, it would be p i o s uh, l a b s dot com. Okay. But uh, shortly, when I produce some games, uh, I'll I'll be posting stuff up there. But basically, 
Uh, I, I'm a gamer. I'm a big nerd in that way. And I, I love video games. I love non-video games. I love board games. I love, uh, I'm, I'm actually in the local improv community, uh, improvisational comedy community in Austin, Texas. Yes. Keeping it weird down here. And so I just love games. They're, I think they're a great motivator for, for people to, to do things and even to learn things. And so, uh, what I've got lined up immediately are a, a couple, um, basically word games to help mm-hmm. in creativity. So, uh, those will be coming out in a couple months and they're intended to be used, uh, by the public, but also if there are, you know, middle school English teachers or English language learners that want to, uh, practice their storytelling skills, speaking of storytelling, they yeah. might play these games to help them out. And beyond that, I want to create some more games, uh, for helping creative visual thinking. So that'll be more applicable to the engineering discipline. Um, and then beyond that, uh, I have uh, bigger plans. <laughs> so, so that's my, my educational gaming company. And uh, I, I really need to stay connected to teachers and I want beta testers. And so the podcast originally was that means to like stay connected, stay talking, and uh, people seem to be more interested in the podcast at the moment, and so I'm just working on that. Sure. And and uh, let's and tell us a little bit. The podcast is uh, how long has it been going? How many episodes have you had? Um, what uh, what have some of the subjects that you've been tackling so far been about? Sure. Uh, well, officially, I think we released our first episode May 30th, so yeah. basically in a May. This last May or the beginning of June, we started, and I just released uh, the 14th episode this morning, uh, this Monday. And so we've got 14 episodes. Uh, we've tackled kind of a wide variety of themes. Uh, the very first episode was just, why should you even care about yep. engineering in K-12? And that's yep. a conversation that I know uh, a lot of people have, including you. And that got well-received, and so we just continued. The latest episode, for example, um, I spoke to uh, two people connected to the National Academy of Engineering who are so into, I mean, the same mission as Big Beacon and, yeah. and me, but they, they basically produced a digital project called um, Link Engineering where they're literally trying to link up all the different engineering educators out there in the U.S., with all the different resources that they might want. And um, I find it super interesting just because a ton of teachers have told me they want engineering mentors in their classroom or they, they want to create connections with other schools. Um, and this website that they've made, I think, is a, a really good try in, in doing that. So just lots of different things uh, we speak about. Um, we had an episode about empathy and the importance of empathy for engineers sure. and how you yep. might develop that in kids. Yep. Uh, we had a popular episode about robotics and how um, national instruments, they allow their engineers to uh, do some philanthropy on their own time and, and support them with that. So that was really cool. Yeah. So, and I want to dive into some of the some of these uh, in a little bit more detail in the next segment. We've just got about a minute or so left, but I'm uh, mm-hmm. in this segment. But uh, what's what would how how would you characterize the response to the podcast, both uh, quantitatively and qualitatively? How many you know how many listeners you're getting, and 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 what do they do they write to you? Do you hear from them? Uh, what what do you hear out there? So. For me, it's been surprisingly positive because, like I said, I didn't know that people would be interested in the podcast. It was just yep. this fun thing I was doing. 
But right now, uh, based on the numbers, we've got like 2,000 listens so far to the episodes, which uh, to me is a small number, but at the same time, it's pretty huge considering I hadn't intended for it to be oh, you know, great. downloaded like... and listened to 2,000 times. Uh, I would say the dedicated listenership that I can tell from my numbers is just just about maybe 150 regular listeners, um, but it's been growing every month. And uh, yeah, I just hope it continues to grow. I've had a couple... Uh, well, a good amount of people email me back about the episodes, uh, suggesting different topics, and I love yep. that. I, I want the show to be about the conversations that people in the field really want to have. So um, if anyone's listening and they have topics in K-12 engineering that they'd like to suggest, definitely uh, let me know. Great. Yeah, and so let's uh, let's take a break, and then... Um... And then after the break, why don't we uh, talk a little bit more about uh, some some of the particular episodes and what you learned in those. How about that? Yeah, sounds great. All right. This is Big Beacon Radio with our special guest, Pius Wong. Uh, stay tuned with us. And uh, in the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, k12engineering.net. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of 3Joy Associates help. David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call one 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back to Big Beacon Radio. I'm Dave Goldberg, and the second segment is sponsored by 3Joy Associates Incorporated. Get that training, coaching, and change leadership consultation to help transform your educational organization or institution. And uh, and uh, also, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at hashtag Big Beacon, and you can send in comments or questions and, and actually join us after the show for a post-show conversation at hashtag Big Beacon on Twitter. And so uh, we're, we're back with uh, Pius Wong, uh, uh, founder and host of um, the uh, K12engineering.net uh, 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 Podcast, and we're also joined in in this uh, segment by Rachel Farrig, uh, an educational expert and uh, and consultant. Uh, welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. 
Well, it's great to have you. And in a moment, we're gonna we'll get back in our conversation uh, with with Pius. But I want we want to check in with you and learn a little bit about about you. Um, people can read more about your background on the program page. But uh, if just to help our listeners get a sense of where you're coming from, what one, two, or three things should our listeners know about you before we dive back into the the content of of, of the show? Well, I, uh, I'll try to keep it to three things, but it might be holistic. So um, I've served uh, as an educator for more than 11 years, and I've been um, an instructional coach and curriculum developer for um, about six of the past uh, of those 11 years. And just recently I started with a, a large agency uh, working um, as a consultant for with uh, multiple districts around the state on school improvement measures. Yeah, great. And and uh, we've been talking about the podcast. You were actually the first guest on the pot, the pilot of the podcast. But uh, in what other, what way are you connected to the uh, K twelve uh, engineering dot net podcast? Sure. So one of the positions that I held in education in the past was to work at the University of Texas um, through UTeach Engineering, which became branded into Engineering World. Uh, so I worked directly with Pius. And we had so many really great, um, what we felt were impactful conversations, yes. just sitting there in our cubicles together, basically. And we would mention to each other that the content and the, the nature of our conversations wasn't just, um, you know, two people in a bubble pondering engineering education together, that there was really some, um, there were really some questions that we were asking that we wanted to be able to hear from a larger audience or share with a larger audience. Uh, so when Pius asked me to be a part of the podcast, I mean, truly, I was honored and thrilled and really excited to be able to see how much of a grand conversation this could become. Nice. And yeah, and we've been talking about the role of conversation and story, and it's, it's underappreciated in... in um, especially in engineering education, we, we talk about words in connection with general education, but the role of language is undervalued in en engineering. But if you actually think about what engineers do during the day, they, enge they engage in speech acts of all kinds. And uh, it's rare, actually, that they do the things that engineers think they do. It's rare that they, they solve math problems. They do, but not that often. They, they do do design, but oftentimes the design acts actually are have lots of ancillary speech acts involved. And so language is a huge part, and that's why in The Whole New Engineer we called out language mind as, as central to engineering in a way that's that's underappreciated. And I'm and it's it's so great to have another uh, uh, podcaster join the, the ranks of serious conversation in, in, um, in engineering, uh, especially in the burgeoning area of uh, K-12 engineering education. Pius, uh, um, Rachel said a number of things. What would you like to add to uh, what, what she said? Yeah, Rachel is exactly right. It was just the, the quality of conversations that we had. It just had to be uh, expanded to everyone, I think. Um, and, and Rachel, by the way, she was really key in working directly with the teachers back at the University of Texas at Austin. And so, so she definitely had um, that teacher's perspective that I needed as an engineer to know uh, what was important 
uh, in this field. I wrote a piece a few years ago. Um, you know, we talk about teamwork a lot, but the underappreciated role of pair work, where there's a there's a special person, and a lot of conversation is one on one between two people, and that pair work between people, especially people with complementary backgrounds of some sort. That so you might have someone's got the engineer, and you've got someone that's got the teacher, or you've got someone who's more organizational, and someone that's got the business sense. There's so many examples of great pairs in both uh, business and all kinds of innovation. It just uh, it, I love the term pair work, and, and we see it in modern uh, organizational practices and in things like agile programming and extreme programming, pair, pair programming, and, and other, kinds of, uh, other kinds of disciplines. I want to turn to, um, I want to, turn to this whole notion of uh, engineering curricula in, in K-12, and it seems like it's a, grow, it's a growth area, and, and there, mm-hmm. there are a number of uh, curricula out there. Uh, you guys worked in engineer, engineer Your World curriculum uh, project lead the way is maybe the 2,000 uh, pound gorilla in in the room um, there are other um, there are other uh, curricula and some of them focus lower grades and higher grades but uh, I, I'm not expert in how many there are out there but you know how many different uh, kind of curriculum efforts are there out there that you're aware of and and uh, what can you tell us about them let's just well, maybe start with you right or, uh, yeah, or let's start with Rachel and we'll go to Pius yeah Sure. So, Pius and I were just talking about this, and I'm not aware of, I don't know off the top of my head exactly how many there are. Obviously, yeah. we have Engineer Your World, uh, yeah. Project Lead the Wave, which you mentioned. Um, there's also the Infinity Project. Um, there's Engineering by Design, uh, which is, I believe, ITEA. Um, there are some, the University of Texas even has some uh, summer programs for girls specifically and for uh, middle and elementary schools. Um, Pius, I think you mentioned a couple others. Uh, yeah, some of the bigger ones that I, I knew of was at Northwestern University. They have a materials engineering focused uh, curriculum or, or modules, really. It's materials world modules. Um, and, and that's pretty unique. Uh, so you mentioned, did you mention engineering by design? Uh, I did. I did. And, yeah. yeah, and then the Boston Museum of Science, I know, has yeah. a bunch of curricula, which ended up being folded into a lot of other groups' curricula as well. Um, and then there's a website, teachengineering.org, uh, I think, Teach Engineering, and their whole deal is to put up more open-source curricula. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have NASA, which has uh, got a huge education department, and they put out not really... Um, full-year curricula, but they definitely put out lessons related to engineering and design, especially aerospace engineering-related lessons. So and I think I those are all the things. I'm not interrupt. I'm sorry. One of our uh, teachers that we trained just this past summer at Engineer Your World uh, had also mentioned, um, I can't remember if it's Oklahoma State or another university sure. in Oklahoma, uh, but they had uh, sort of a year-long uh, engineering course at one point as well um, that yeah. was offered in a different capacity, I believe. There's, I, I just laughed. Sorry, I, I was just going to say I, I laughed earlier because there's really a, a ton of um, one-off curricula <laughs> like produced by universities and schools. 
Well, and it's it's uh, like anything that becomes uh, that people become interested in. Uh, things arise to f- fulfill the need, and and sometimes it's disorganized, and then there's a period of growth, and then a period of consolidation. I'm not exactly sure we where we are in that that uh, cycle, but um, and and you guys can, came at it uh, working hard on a particular uh, curriculum, so it's maybe unfair. Is are there? Are there discern? I mean, I think when I, like we had uh, Vince Bertram on the show the other day from Project Lead the Way a few months ago, actually, and and uh, so of course that's a very large program and established now over what, maybe twenty years. So, yeah. um, are are there other than size uh, and and uh, longevity? Are there are there are there differences between the programs uh, philosophically, or or is everyone kind of shooting at the same thing? Um, start with you, Pius, and and then we'll go to Rachel. Um, so my quick opinion is that, yeah, there, there are definitely differences in not only the history and size, but also sure. in, in the philosophy and the, the specific engineering field of focus. Like I had said, there are, like Northwestern, they focus specifically on materials engineering. The Infinity yeah. Project is really just uh, electrical engineering. So um, there is a lot of variety, and there's a difference in cost and ease of implementation. Um and when it comes to philosophy, uh, some of the curricula, they're more for, um, more, they might have a whole pathway. Uh, like if you needed to take classes right. from when you're a little kid all the way up to high school, some are not. Um, I, I think what I would say I don't know as much about, and maybe Rachel could answer it, is I do know there are some standards that are out there which might influence um, how varied these curricula are. And, in fact, we had a podcast episode, one of the early episodes with Rachel, talking about which national educational standards or state standards affect what the curricula look like. Um, so, I don't know, Rachel, maybe... Yeah, Rachel, what, uh, what, what, uh, what's your take on the different <laughs> philosophies and the, the variation? Sure. So, it's interesting. And, again, this, this really could be turned into a whole podcast series. Sure. Just one topic. Um, the... The need for engineering education arose due to multiple factors. You had uh, President Obama's 10K by 2020, or you know whatever the official title of that program is, to increase the number of um, engineering graduates by the year 2020. Um, you also had a national push for STEM due to the broad uh, the broad adoption of NGSS by so many states. Um, you know, we are supposedly kind of past this uh, race for space and turned it into race for the top through what used to be IDEA and NCLB, um, but there's still a heavy federal to state and state to local push for involving more teachers and more students in hard sciences, technology, technology engineering, and math. Uh, than historically has ever been done before. And because of that, I think that so many agencies, so many colleges, so many engineering organizations really saw areas of opportunity to get themselves involved in engineering engineering education at earlier and earlier ages. Um, One of the things that we used to say in one of the presentations that we used to give when we were at the University of Texas is typically or historically 
if you wanted to major in education or in engineering, you weren't exposed to engineering education until you actually got to college and started taking engineering classes. Well, it's even worse. It's even worse than that. I, you, and and there's, there's some truth to this. You're actually not exposed to engineering in many places until you're, you're the second semester of your second year, the first <laughs> semester of your third year. Mm-hmm. So we, the, there's this heavy em- traditional emphasis and historical emphasis on the S&M of the and not so much emphasis on the T and E and STEM and and yes. uh, so it's interesting that there is it has come about. Um, of course, there are many things that predate some of the things that you were talking about. Um, you know, the, the the yes, the president talked about those things, but of course, uh, Project Lead the Way has been around for twenty years. Uh, uh, First Robotics has been around for a long time, uh, making and hack. Hacker, hacker hackathons and maker spaces uh, arose without um, particular interest or concern from the government. So there, there, there's a broader cultural movement I think going on than than um, than than say the, the governmental factors are sort of now pushing the adoption in a way that actually concerns. I, I get concerned when we set standard standards for things that we don't actually know how to do yet quite very well. But, but this, I agree, the standards are, are forcing some of the issue, but there, but culturally a lot of these things have arisen uh, out of uh, a cultural soup. That's quite different than the, 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 the government was reacting to the culture, not the other way, way around you. That's anyway, I'm a assert- I'm a, I'm, that's my assessment. I guess I'm, curious whether you agree or disagree with me there's no one right answer to what i just said or but what right i think yeah i think that there are multiple sources that yeah. drove this this inherent need though for yeah. reaching younger and younger audiences with engineering education and you know just i don't have much to add to what Pius said about the yeah. differences in content uh the differences in philosophy um and again, it, I, maybe it stems back to the idea that uh, there is no one right yep. way. Uh, there is no one correct engineering uh, pathway or philosophy. Um, but in comparing the different curricula, and Pius and I have sat down and looked at as much as we can of quite a few of them that they, you know, you taken broadly, they would or could provide a comprehensive overview of engineering education for younger students. Yeah, actually, so this show has a particular take, and it come, you know, the the show's largely about uh, grows out of efforts at Olin and efforts at Illinois, and to 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 create a different kind of engineer and. And so our lens on this show oftentimes um, tends to turn off the, we put a filter on the content and the curriculum and the pedagogy because there's fairly large agreement about those things. There are variations in it. But the part that we tend to look at on this show has to do with emotion and engagement and inspiration and and uh, what's important in inspiring young people to go into these fields if if they're if they can find alignment in it, and and actually what uh, what Pius was talking about in his opening story of working with young people who didn't think they were worthy, and it turned out that they were, and they found that beauty inside of them. It's that beauty and it's that emotional engagement that we think separates um, 
the programs that are going to last and have an impact into the future and those that are not. And those, it doesn't mean that the ones that don't have that emotional component can't find it. But if, if you're kind of coming at this from head without heart, uh, I think at the end of the day, that's not going to, not going to win. Uh, com- I, again, more my opinion and the editorial viewpoint of this program, but uh, let's start with you, you Pius. Reaction to what I just said? Yeah, no, I think, I think that's right. Um, it's funny, I'm going to keep referring to other podcast episodes that are relevant, but I was sure. speaking with uh, my other uh, former colleague at UT Austin who's helping with the podcast, Southern, Southern Satya Seelan. He was educated in India, and then he continued his engineering education here in the USA. And we really had a conversation about that idea of extrinsic versus intrinsic mm. motivation. How, like in India and, and in China, actually, right now, I mean, they're producing tons and tons and tons of engineers compared to, say, the U.S., but the, it's an extrinsic motivator. They want more money. They want money. a better life. It's economy that drives it because they, they have to be an engineer in a way to, to rise up. And um, yet he was saying how, like, here in the U.S., the engineers, yeah, they, they make enough money to live, definitely, um, but mostly the engineers that he met here in his education, they do engineering because they love it. It's like an intrinsic motivation. Mm-hmm. And um, we were just trying to talk about, like, okay, how do we get more engineers in the U.S.? And and part of the conclusion is, yeah, we need to get inspire that passion in young people more to get to find that intrinsic motivation. So yeah. that's why I think I agree with you. Yeah, Rachel, your comment, your comments on the same same issues. Oh, I I wholeheartedly agree. Um, as so when I first started college, I had an engineering major, and I was one of those who was, uh, quote-unquote, weeded out yeah. um, because I was I went to college in a time when we still had that traditional approach that we focus on only the science and the math, and for me, the sticking point was the math, rather yeah. than the holistic approach that engineers actually take, because what engineers do is to solve problems. Yes, they use math and science, but they use math and science as tools. What they actually accomplish in their work is solving problems and helping people. And until we can really emphasize and demonstrate that focus to, to families and schools and children and teachers, then I think that we're missing a large component of what engineering education really should include. Yeah, beautiful. And I that there are programs that do that extraordinarily well yes and more and more and that's that's what we're hoping um, will continue continue to come Let, let's take a little bit of a break we'll continue talking about the podcast but i also want to talk a little bit about what's next both for k-12 and engineering as well as uh, as as well as the podcast so uh this is big beacon radio with our our special guests pius wong and rachel farrig and in the next segment We're going to take a look at the future of the podcast as well as the future of uh, K-12 and engineering. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Do you want greater success in bringing change to your university, college, department, or classroom? Are you looking for a keynote speaker to inspire your organization with stories of transformative change? Would you like to boost your own academic, business, or technical career? Let David E. Goldberg of 3Joy Associates help. 
David is a leading speaker, author, trainer, and leadership coach with experience in helping bring successful change to educational organizations and education and technical careers around the globe. To learn more, call Dave Goldberg at 217-621-2645. Contact him at deg at 3joy.com or browse the 3Joy website, www.3joy.com today. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Big Beacon Radio. If you'd like to call into the program today, please call 1-866-472-472. 5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to deg at bigbeacon.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back to Big Beacon Radio. Our final segment is sponsored by Big Beacon itself. Join us this fall for a set of free webinars on 21st century leadership and change acceleration. Watch bigbeacon.org for details or write to me, Dave Goldberg, at deg at bigbeacon.org to find out more. So, and we're rejoined uh, now in the final segment uh, by Pius Wong and and Rachel Farrig. We're talking about uh, k12engineering.net, a podcast that explores engineering education in in k-12 schools and and we we've, we've uh, had a wide-ranging and, in, and interesting conversation i think and i'd like to just um go back to the podcast for a minute and pious um uh you know so i i find that when i do this show there there's certain shows that stick out for me uh, and i i actually i learn a lot or i'm surprised um um uh, pleasantly uh, about something that I didn't know, or uh, sometimes it's a combination of surprise and learning. But like, if you look back at the episodes that you've had, uh, like, is there are there one or maybe two that kind of stick out in your mind as like the ones that taught you the most and were were in some sense the most surprising? Um, yeah, the first thing that I would say is one of the early episodes I was speaking with an engineering teacher. He taught Project Lead the Way, uh, Jerry yep. Moldenauer. Um, over at Eastside Memorial here in Austin, and um, he had taught it for several years, and he a point he made uh, came up in, like, every single episode after. And so in that sense, it was surprising. He really emphasized how important it was for engineering teachers in high school or below to really bring in practicing engineers mm. uh, that that kids could see. And, like, you know, I had heard that before in passing and I was I always thought like oh yeah you hear that I guess that makes sense bring some role models in <laughs> but like he said it and he really emphasized it and he, he was like because he wasn't um, officially an engineer he never went to school as an engineer yes. but he was teaching his engineering but he was emphatic like yeah bring that mechanical engineer and bring that environmental engineer and the kids look at that person differently and it really motivates them in a way that um, despite the fact that he was a good teacher I had been in his classroom um, that real engineer motivated them in a way that he couldn't. Um, and that point came up with, like, every single other guest afterward. And so um, that's yeah, I love definitely it. I love, I love that, that point. Yeah, I love that point on, a, on about three different levels. So there's the um, – I, I love it on the, on the level of uh, uh, 
engage, you know, genuine engagement and authenticity as central to engagement in the classroom. And so providing authentic experiences or the experience of another human being that gives you that authentic experience as central. And again, what, what is that? Well, that's in part, that's embodied and we don't, we never, almost never talk about body um, in education these days, and it's it's also it's also about heart, and we rarely talk about heart. We're usually stuck talking about head stuff, and so the that that kind of genuine authenticity and engagement that comes from that resonates for me there. Then then your description of it resonates for me in the sense that um, you, you know the sense that yeah yeah I know the the intellectual knowing of that, and then the deep knowing that comes from actually getting something, which again is, uh, is, is largely emotional. Sometimes it's embodied, but it's, but it's other than, it's other than intellectual. And so that there was, there was, um, there was that, that, um, point in there too. I, anyways, I, I love it on both those levels. Uh, um, Rachel, what would you like to add? <laughs> I was just sitting here chuckling to myself. Anyone who has followed uh, or listen to several episodes of our podcast, of Pius's podcast, will recognize there's definite convergence going on here. Uh, he stole what I was going to say. <laughs> I haven't listened to every single episode of the podcast, but one of my favorites was the episode with Jerry Moldenhauer, um, because so often today in all content areas, and from pre-K up through and even past, 12th grade, even, you know, K-16, we talk about rigor and relevance, and so many educators struggle with bringing in the relevance, and we still find ourselves saying to students, you need to know this because this is going to happen in the real world, but then we don't often have the opportunity to show them how this actually happens in the real world, and uh, one of the things that we hear so often from um, engineering teachers when they bring in actual engineers are even some of the simple things like keeping an engineering notebook. It's really difficult to get teenage kids to keep track of every single thing they do in an organized, methodical fashion in a notebook. So when they have an engineer standing in front of them in their classroom saying, look, here's my notebook that I use every day in my industry practice, not only does that bring the relevance to the forefront, but they, the students are actually able to then examine that artifact and look at how much detail is necessary, what types of things have to be recorded, um, just that minutia. And so being able to link engineering, education, and an actual engineer together is so, uh, it's so impactful and it's so... Um, it's so funny that that theme keeps coming up over and over and over mm-hmm. again in this podcast. Well, and and, and it's not surprising. Uh, you know, last week we had Peter Denning on the show, who's uh, uh, engineering educator and and uh, writes has written widely about organizational issues, educational issues. Uh, and he has. We were mainly talking about his book Innovators Way, and one of his large points is that in education we tend very often to get stuck on a body of knowledge and worried about. The learning outcomes and objectives, blah blah blah, and yet the thing that then gets left out are actual practices. And so much of what you were just talking about is a set of practices that are coming from the field of of real engineering practice and inspiring young people 
um, to take on effective practice, but also there's a, there's also a sense that there's more going on here too, and and we almost never talk about identity, and formation of identity, and and um, uh, being inspired by a by someone to be like someone, and and um, the kinds of what what models are there? We have as in, in K-12, we have teachers as models, and we have parents as models, and we have relatives as models, and sometimes that's enough. But um, but if we're trying to model something that we might become, something that's not easy to become, that, that identity is central to this. And so this, and, and identity is more than a body of, of knowledge, and yet we still, too often, I think, in educational circles get stuck on the head part and not the body part or the, the heart part. Pious comment? Yeah, I, I would say that that's exactly what I've been hearing, and I agree with that, uh, just based on people I've spoken to. One of the central topics that I, I hope to cover in the future is, for example, the issue of gender equity in, in STEM or in engineering specifically and computer science. If you don't have role models there, or if, if you don't, if you're never seeing, uh, for example, female engineers there, maybe you, maybe it's harder to envision uh, that as your reality if you happen to be female um, or any other uh, group. And so being able to just see yourself as uh, one of these professions is really important. Yeah. Rachel? Precisely. I was thinking the exact same thing, that in order to involve historically underrepresented groups, you have to be able to see yourself in that role. So when girls women engineers and happy women engineers who are successful, they are more likely to consider engineering as a career path. And if they don't see that, if what they see is what has always been a stereotype that they are not included as a part of, then they will shy away from it every single time. Well, and, and too, I think sometimes we a whole new engineer has taken a hit from Eh, not a hit, but some criticism from from gender equity circles that we didn't spend more of our time about um, about gender issues and underrepresented uh, minority issues. But we we our view is that um, if you get the culture and the identity and the body and the emotional part of this right, that uh, those other things will take care of themselves. And the exact wrong way to do it is the way we have been doing it of having these kind of uh, ghettoized efforts of 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 trying to encourage, trying to encourage people to come into a profession that that doesn't have uh, places for for different people to connect with is a, a culturally mismatched kind of place. Uh, you were talking before, Pius, about people who didn't see themselves in engineering having having it as if only they could see it, and so those kinds of programs are. Are, are helpful, but in part, it's it's a broader cultural and emotional issue that uh, that we don't even we we don't typically have conversations about. It's it's uh, mm-hmm. it's something it's other than part of our conversation. Yeah, and I think it's a harder conversation to have in general because yes. it's just more controversial, I guess. But sure. that's I think that's why it's so important for conversations like on your show, on the podcast, but like in your own workplaces to talk about these things and. And and uh, talk about it with an open mind too, you know. Yeah, so we've got a few we've got a few minutes left on 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 the show, and and um, we'll have to give way on the channel to the to the next show here in a few minutes. But what's next? Uh, let's start with the the podcast. What's next on 
the horizon for the podcast? The podcast has several really neat episodes coming up. Uh, for example, the one that immediately comes to mind is at the end of the month, coincidentally at Halloween, we're going to focus on teachers' nightmares, uh, literal nightmares that engineering teachers have, because apparently that's a thing. Uh, teaching is so uh, anxiety-ridden nowadays, unfortunately, in the U.S., that apparently recurring nightmares is normal. And I've, I was super surprised by that, because I never dreamed about engineering nightmares. Um, and then there's several other episodes uh, related to uh, engineers, or sorry, engineering students with autism. Uh, we're going to have a discussion on teaching CAD, computer-aided drafting, uh, and brainstorming skills. Uh, and beyond that, we might be going to South by Southwest. Uh, we'll keep you updated on that. Uh, that's a conference that focuses on yes. education, big ideas, and yeah, uh, yeah that's what we're going to do. Great. And, and uh, as we look at, at the broader horizon of engineering in K-12, uh, what do you see? Let's start with Rachel. Well, what I hope is that these types of conversations, the podcast, this radio shows, that they invite larger conversations to kind of bridge um, the gap between higher education and secondary, secondary and elementary, and also between that whole sort of uh, lofty world of engineering bridge to communities and families because it's so important that, um, you know, there should be common goals and visions and ideas, but also a common vocabulary and a common platform. And so I hope that as these types of conversations are more and more accessible and more and more um, readily available just at, at large, that we can come together as a, a larger global national community and not have those barriers between us. Pius? Yeah, uh, out of the many things that I think will happen, I'll reiterate that emphasis on the importance of getting mentors and role models. I think so many people have said this to me and to the community around me that someone or some group whether it's the National Academy of Engineering or someone else, they will make the resource to connect engineering teachers and schools with practicing engineers and nonprofits um, and be able to do virtual field trips and connect with other schools. There's going to be some kind of social network resource, uh, whether it's link engineering or something else, and uh, I think it will be pretty big when it, when it succeeds or when it's out there. Great. And so we've just got just maybe uh, 30 seconds or so left. Uh, uh, what, uh, what else would you like our listeners to know in, in closing? Well, uh, I think that, like you heard, if you could listen to the show and send me any of your ideas for what you'd like to hear about in the field of K-12 engineering education, that is the most help you could give me. And definitely uh, listen to the show and spread it to your colleagues. And they can do that by what What are your contact points? What uh, URLs so, and email addresses should they use? Yeah, the website is k12engineering.net. And if you go to that website, you'll see how to subscribe and listen on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Google Play, etc. Uh, connect on Facebook. So you can just go to that website, k12engineering.net. You can always tweet me um, at my name. It's P-I-U-S-W-O-N-G. And Rachel, is there some place they can go to see about your activities or get in touch sure, with you? I, 
I'm on Twitter as well. It's at R-F as in Frank, A-H-R-I-G, at R-F-A-R-I-G. Um, I tweet about a bevy of issues, but uh, you will always see the K-12 Engineering Podcast and K-12 Engineering uh, Education issues in my Twitter feed as well. Well, I appreciate both of you being on, on the show and uh, uh, wish you luck with the podcast and with your other activities in supporting K- engineering in K-12. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much, Dave. Thank you. You've been listening to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education with Dave Goldberg. Special thanks to our guests, Pius Wong and Rachel Farrig. Help transform higher education. Join the movement to unleash a new generation of innovators by learning more at bigbeacon.org. Join us after the show at hashtag Big Beacon to talk to our guests uh, one-on-one. Join us next week, same time, same channel, in our quest to transform higher education. Thank you for tuning in to Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Please join Dave Goldberg soon for another edition. Listen every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For additional information about our programs or to find out about the next show, please visit bigbeacon.org. We'll talk again very soon.